Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Support WrestleTalk. Tell a friend. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy... Hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast. I am Ollie Davis and I am joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swaft Nation, and hello to you, Oliver Davis. How the dickens are you? Tad hungover. Uh, a little bit tired, a little bit sleepy. Yeah, you seem not. You didn't seem in high spirits when I got into the studio today because I got in for about lunchtime-ish because mm. uh, obviously I had the the, the four-hour sort of pay-per-view extravaganza to watch, uh, and I was not getting up at four a.m. to start that. So Why the heckins not? Because that's four o'clock in the morning. I feel like I was. Uh, I, I had. I, I used all my energy in the wrestle ramble. I had my two five-minute bits of. Uh, Wrestle Talk News and Survivor Series review videos, and then the rest was for the Wrestle Ramble. So any banter, any small talk, chit chat that we usually have, yeah, not happening. But you say that though. But you and I have had some excellent chit chat today. Oh yeah, particularly about a certain change you've made to your phone. <laughs> you want to talk about this? Bit? I, I genuinely do. This could be behind all my fatigue. Maybe it's not the gallons and gallons of liquor that I drank. I was going to say, I, and I wonder it now, if we're going to start a bit of a, or you're going to start a bit of a revolution uh, amongst the SWAF nation. Amongst the SWAF nation, possibly. Uh, but maybe it will make them bored and not want to go through YouTube and watch all of our videos. Oh. So uh, this is a, uh, I've turned my entire smartphone grey. Uh, the script, not the, the, the design, but the actual screen what would you call that? The user interface, the UI? Yeah, the UI, yeah. There's a secret setting that they don't make that public because if you do turn your uh, your screen monochrome, it cuts down the amount of time you spend on it by about a half because the big trap of uh, smartphones is just getting stuck in those infinite social media loops where you're just on Facebook scrolling down, 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 Twitter, Instagram. And uh, this stops you from doing it because if you make everything black and white the outside world looks more interesting. So you are essentially sticking it to the man by yeah. turning your phone grayscale. Yeah, so... Uh, the Castle the, grayscale. The larger story is that this used to be a common feature, easily accessible on phones a couple of years ago, until these studies came out where it they, they significantly harmed people using their smartphone. And smartphone makers want people to use their smartphone all the time, as do advertisers and social media. So, uh, corporations. Yeah, so they've made it. In, they, they've just completely hidden away the grayscale feature. 
For me to get to it, I had to go into this uh, enable the advanced settings on my Google Pixel first, and then you have to go into a few hidden bits, and then an area that totally doesn't sound like what you need to be in. And then you need to go to the bottom of that, and it says like, model serial number 60935, whatever. It doesn't even look like you can click it. It's not like an op another menu opens. You tap that seven times. And then it enables developer mode. And then you could then another menu opens up somewhere else that you've got to find. And in there is an option that's called like, I don't know, like, it doesn't sound anything to do with color. You enable that and it's grayscale. Fun fact for you, do you know that's how uh, level select cheats in games originated from and debug modes is no. because the developers would put them in so they could test out certain levels on mm. games as like a little quick shortcut and then often would forget to take out the ah. uh, the code obviously after it became like a bit of a popular thing then they they kept them in there on purpose but yeah those very first few ones they were almost like debug modes that people had like they'd unlocked the developer secrets well when i was trying to enable grayscale mode i just suddenly unlocked a uh, flight simulator in the back end of Twitter. It was amazing. Did you feel like uh, Deckard in uh, Blade Runner where you were just like, hold it there, enhance. <laughs> yeah. T T7, enhance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, can I uh, let you in on a little something while you oh. were out of the studio? Oh, yeah? What have you done? <gasps> You've done it too! I've, I'm following You've your lead, man. Grayscale. I've gone grayscale. I've gone castle grayscale mm. on my phone. You're into this. Uh, yeah, so when you... It looks boring. It doesn't adjust. So It's when, not as enticing, is it? When you left the studio, I was like, I'm going to look into mm. how I turn grayscale on on the uh, the Samsung S, uh, Samsung Galaxy S7. And, pff, mate... Was it tucked away? Mate, it was, it was tucked away in at least... I had to go to the settings, click vision, and then there's a little tab that said grayscale. And I clicked that. That sounds so much easier than my one. <laughs> it was like, I was like, I Googled it because I was like, it's going to be really hidden away because yeah. that's what Ollie's told me. It's like deep within the developer stuff. No, no, there's just an option on there. So if I want to turn it back on, I can just easily flick the switch. I mean, it could just easily as be, oh yeah, we did some market research and people weren't interested in the grayscale feature. So we're still there, but it's not, it's not prominent as we used to have it. <laughs> uh, and I've just constructed this conspiracy <laughs> theory of where all the corporations sit in a big room with all the advertisers. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But when it do, does come to your smartphone, don't delete your podcast app because that's how you get the Wrestle Ramble. Yes. Yeah, of course you want the Wrestle Ramble. You looked very puzzled by my little segue there. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was, didn't know where you were going to go. But obviously I'm pushing it forward because when you are listening to those podcast things, often you can leave reviews. Oh, it's a segue. And those reviews help us get higher in the iTunes chart. Boom. Like... Gary M6, who writes as his title, Winky Smiley Face Emoticon, not an emoji, that's the animated version, this is just punctuation, and then writes one of the best reviews, thank you so much Gary M6, who writes, this podcast is acceptable. He's not wrong! Thank you Gary M6, that's what we're talking about. He's absolutely not wrong. Do you think he lives somewhere on the M6? What, like a, a house or just... In between junctions. In between junctions. Mm. Or, you know, like, off one of the junctions of the M6. Or, uh, fun fact for you, uh, it's my least favourite motorway. Really? Yeah, I hate the M6. I don't rank motorways. No? They all seem the same to me. Uh, the M6 particularly riles me up. Does... What, what's a motorway in America? Is it a highway? A highway. A highway? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Samuel F18 yeah. writes Wrestle Ramble Review. 
Excellent listen. Improves every episode. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so Thanks. much, Samuel. I like that. You yeah. guys get... The more you do this, the better at it you get. That's what a few people telling me when I was tweeting about my struggles on WWE 2K18, mm. about how much I just suck at the game. Because I did suck at it. Like The very first thing, they put you in the ring with Ty Dillinger uh, to have a bit of a practice match. Then he tapped me out in one move because I couldn't work out the uh, submission system. Yeah. And uh, I was like, ha, look at me. I'm just awful at this game. And then a lot of people go like, just keep at it, man. Keep just, at just it. Just keep at it, man. Just keep practicing. You'll get there. Be friendly in the comments. <laughs> That's what we want. We want a big swath nation supporting together. Uh, should we get on with the show? Well, we are going to get on with everyone's favorite segment, Great Balls of Botch, with a slight alteration, which is where we don't just talk about things we got wrong because we've come to realise we get a lot of stuff wrong and we don't want to keep pointing out how much stuff we get wrong. So we're going to talk about viewer feedback more instead, just like nice things, just like nice conversational pieces. Like a very, very slow conversation mm. at a party. Yeah, well, even slower than that. We'll record something like this. Then you'd comment maybe a day later. Then three days after that, we'd address it in Great Balls of Botch. This is going to be some snail mail stuff. Like we're all pen pals. Yeah, it's like the good old days. Did you ever have a pen pal while you were at school? I'm not a nerd. I had real friends. (laughs) Chess Club Ollie Davis over here. Hey, this was... Okay, so this is the fourth time we've tried to record this because things keep going wrong. And on on a... one that's been lost to the digital It was, it was uh, take one yeah. we were doing. It was like, I revealed I used to be in the chess club. Yeah, those are my friends. But they were at least they were there. <laughs> they weren't in France. No, ours was, um, yeah, I think ours was set up by the school mm. uh, for us too. It was to like encourage communication uh, and learn things about other cultures. And I think I did have a pen pal out in Germany. Yeah? Yeah. How, how were they? I honestly don't remember a single thing about them, but I'm, I, you know, now thinking about it, I wonder where they are now. Long-lasting friendship. So uh, the first thing we've got to correct ourselves on is we were talking about TNA's version of war games. Like, what was that called? Lethal Lockdown. Yes, yeah, of course it was Lethal Lockdown. Uh, and two other points that we were corrected on. Um, I'd said that I think Brock Lesnar main events uh, every pay per view must be sitting in his contract, mm-hmm. forgetting. That he didn't main events WrestleMania because he had that point. match with uh, with Goldberg. And nor he, last night. Nor last night, which I, I will come to. So glad about. Mm. Um, and you mentioned that you couldn't think of the last time the NXT Championship had a main event at a takeover. And I said, I think it was probably that one where Bailey and Sasha Banks had their Iron Woman Long match. Iron Man match. But actually, it was only a couple of months ago when it was Hideo Itami versus Bobby Roode. And that was because it was the DIY match that went on last. Yes, with that's the, why they broke up. That's right. Yeah, yeah because of course you, you had the uh, the end graphic, the copyright logo in the bottom, and you thought, oh, this is over. Nothing more to see here. Oh no, my heart's breaking. And of course, you couldn't have like done that before the main event because that would have just completely no. killed that main event. And uh, just a little bit more feedback. Everyone loved Ollie's social media lounge impersonation. They really did. There was yeah. one person who was very offended by it, but uh, everyone seemed to really, really enjoy your impression of, uh, I believe you tried to do Charlie Caruso. I just tried to do generic, yeah. uh, annoying interviewer. And in my head, a generic, annoying interviewer is, is a very camp man wanting to hear about what type of uh, food stuff you would be. Yeah, what type of bread they would yeah, be. Yeah, but maybe that'll become a, a recurring character in Wrestle Talk. Maybe. Let's see. We can let's, only hope. Let's get on with NXT. NXT TakeOver War Games happened on Saturday evening. I watched it the next day That's with my nice. lady partner, who uh, used to be a big fan of NXT, not the actual wrestling. But now that all of her favourites have gone up, she liked Bobby Roode's entrance. She liked Japanese man's entrance. Yeah. So it wasn't Bobby Roode. It was man with the cloak. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, fabulous. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, that's Carmella. She likes Carmella as too. Yeah. Uh, but no, she, and her major feedback was there weren't enough fun costumes and I didn't know any of the entrance songs. Uh, my wife and my sister-in-law also watched a little bit of this show really? while I was watching it on Sunday morning. Mm. I'd got up specifically to watch it before they got up. Uh, but unfortunately, they both got up and they both started to watch a little bit of me. Because mm. then you suddenly realise that you're like it's that wrestling bubble thing where my wife sat down next to me and she goes, so what's this then? And I was like, well, this is a War Games match. Yeah. And she was like, what does that mean? And I was like, well, there's a big cage around two rings. She was like, why? And I was like, it's because it is. And she's yeah. like, so who's in it? And I was like, well, it's the Undisputed Era versus the Authors of Pain versus uh, Authors of Pain and Roderick Strong versus Sanity. And then as soon as you start, kind of say that out loud to someone who's not a wrestling fan, you suddenly go like, it does sound mad, doesn't mm. it? It, sound, it just sounds like a load of nonsense. It's also, I, I find myself trying to overly justify. I Like, I, like the, it could just be a normal question, and then I have to say the answer, and then why it's good. <laughs> yeah. like, but, 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 you know, just like, but it is good because of these things. Yeah. Uh, my favourite uh, outside observation, there was a promo graphic that said Triple H will be doing a Facebook Q&A live thing afterwards, and Triple H's photo was on screen, you know, doing the old Triple yeah. H pose. And my lady partner said, I know that one. I was like, oh, who is it? Vince McMahon. <laughs> nice. He's the one on all the front of your thumbnails. Yeah. It's close. It's close. Triple H. He looks similar. Yeah. Uh, she then like, she was like, she wanted to know whose team, like who was on whose team. Mm. So she really liked Adam Cole because he was very handsome. He's, an, he's a handsome man. He's a handsome man. She said he has luscious locks. Although she doesn't like him quite as much as she likes Finn Balor. Like that, that's her guy. Oh, okay, because I thought she liked Roman as well. I thought she was a sweaty she hair did, man. She did. I mean, do- lady. She does like Roman mm. as well because he's got very pretty eyes. You ever thought about making your beard a bit sweaty? Uh, no, but it does. And, and actually holds quite a lot of water when mm. I get out of the shower. Uh, but so she liked Adam Cole and then wanted to know who uh, he was in a team with. So I was like, ah, is he the one in the black pants and the black top? Him. And then I couldn't find where Kyle O'Reilly was. And I was like, hey, he'll be on soon, but he's in black trunks. Yeah. And then uh, my wife was like, I cannot see anyone. Because it's just like, there's nine people in the ring. Nine people and you don't know anyone's name. And they just all look the same mm. to, to, you know, to an outside eye. All just vanilla indie midgets. <laughs> that's, all she, that's all she could and see. three and, massive and guys. And the authors of pain. And, and she, Killian Dane. Yeah, I was going to say. And she uh, did comment as well that Killian Dane has an incredibly hairy back. Mm. And she mm. likes... Fat hairy men. Oh wow! But um, she was not keen on his hairy back. Uh, so the night kicked off uh, with just brilliant commentary. I was just from the moment the show started, I was just in awe of Mauro Ranello. Some of the things he said, a smorgasbord of he called something like a smorgasbord of special moves or something. Mm-hmm. He's it's so so good yeah uh, that it's like these two things don't go together well like social media and drinking ah <laughs> oh, these are like perfect dad jokes yeah he's great yeah when he hasn't got someone screaming in his ear he's all right or bullying him just giving him dead legs under the commentary desk like jbl probably stop used putting to over japanese yeah. stars uh stop caring man <laughs> Uh, so the first match, however, was Cassius Ono versus Lars Sullivan in a match for who is the bigger bastard. Yeah, this was this was a big meaty man match. Mm. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. it. Only went about five minutes, but these two got the most out of their five minutes, yeah. and it was awesome. And it was a great match as well in the sense that I didn't come out of that going like, 
man, Cassiusono is a bit of a joke, isn't he? Because he just got completely killed by Lars Sullivan. I came out going like, man, Cassiusono's cool and he's yeah. awesome. And he re- he nearly beat Lars Sullivan. How great is that? And it just completely elevated Lars and it also elevated Nono. Loved it. Mm. Yeah, it was perfect. It did exactly what it went out to do. Like you said, both Cassiusono, of course, had to sacrifice himself somewhat, but both men are still like Lars Sullivan is more over and Cassiusono is probably a little bit more over as well yeah. just because he had such an, an impressive showing it wasn't where it was like on another day someone else the other guy could have won absolutely which yeah. is what made the AJ Brock match so good I absolutely love his tornado bicycle kick uh, uh, Ono's bicycle mm. kick I think it's such a wicked move he's so good at doing a spin and then hitting someone yeah Oh, absolutely. But because, like, how do you know where they are to land your punch? Because for half of that movement, you've got your back to them. Yeah, he's and very it, good at it. And the sound he gets, like, from chops and forearms and, yeah, Ono's yeah. great. When I, while I was playing um, 2K18 a little bit later on uh, in the day, my uh, my wife and my sister-in-law were sort of like, they were mm. sorting out some dinner stuff for the following day. And um, happened to see the name Cassius Ono while I was having a match against him in uh, NXT during my career mode. And my wife commented, that's the worst wrestler's name I've ever heard. Yeah, it's not good. Chris Hero is a much better it's name. a much better name. But, you know, he, he built up such a reputation and body of work in his first WWE run. They wanted to <laughs> carry on with it. Absolutely. They don't want people getting confused when they're trying to search the mm. WWE network, trying to find all of Chris Hero's old matches. Yeah. And only coming across this lad called Cassius Ono. Um, they uh, so we both predicted this correctly. We both correct uh, predicted a Lars Sullivan win. Mm-hmm. Next up was possibly my favourite match of the weekend. I was going to say the exact same thing, mm. but I didn't want to say it like outright. But I think yeah, it's it's either this or the AJ Brock match. Yeah. as my match of the weekend. This. What? So it's Alistair Black versus the Velveteen Dream, the match that you perfectly described in our prediction video as, as the match I didn't know I wanted until I got it. Mm. This match was awesome. Yeah. From bell to bell, awesome. My only complaint I have about this match, and it's nothing to do with those two lads there, because it was an issue the whole night long, the direction during mm. parts of this was very bad. Are you talking, there's a specific moment where. Uh, Velveteen Dreams sitting down and the whole crowd go whoa yeah. but you're only you're only looking at uh, Velveteen yeah. Dream and then it it cuts to another camera shot quite haphazardly and then Alistair Black is doing Velveteen Dreams yeah. sexy Just tummy pose to missing him. things like that mm. and they missed the finish because like Velveteen Dream standing there next thing you know he's yeah. down and he's being pinned just missing really like key moments like that which I, I, I found a bit disappointing but ignoring that because it's absolutely not to do with them they put on a hell of a match and like I mean Alistair Black was already a star but this made an absolute star out of uh, the Velveteen Dream that was all the comments I'd been sent on Twitter the following day was just like I didn't realise how good Velveteen Dream was he's awesome I didn't know either to be honest he's he's great Uh, just back to the production I don't so I don't know if uh, they use they treat their production as developmental too I I think I believe so yeah uh, maybe it's because you've got two rings in there. That was something I thought that must be a lot different to mm. how you'd usually direct something. Uh, however, I still preferred NXT's direction and uh, shot style over Survivor Series the next night. And I really noticed, so I really noticed it here, most in the Drew McIntyre match. 
and then it wasn't until I watched Survivor Series the next day, ha- like how glaring a difference this is. Obviously, the commentary. There's only three people rather than five. And none of this stupid crash zoom stuff with every move. Yep. And it's it's it lets the match breathe. It feels so like like a sporting contest rather than an in-your-face effects fest. Very few shots of the crowd as well, like yeah. during the match. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the production was su- superb. But Black versus Dream. Uh, a match entirely based around or mostly based around Dream wanting recognition from Black he wanted Black to say his name and they didn't like they that is a that is a wonderful story and they built a match they told that story through physical action which is really what wrestling does in its highest art form yeah uh and just so many really really cool spots that weren't like flips off of the top of a cage or really dangerous headbutts. It was just two guys doing each other's taunts. And also, huge shout-out to Velveteen Dream rocking the Jake the Snake Roberts Rick Rude tights, mm. where he uh, spray-painted Alistair Black's face onto his tights. Loved that. What a wonderful little touch. Yeah, just mind great. games. Yeah, Not just great. war games. <laughs> uh, just Yeah, there were so many cool moments, um, but the best for me... And I knew it was coming, but I didn't know how they were going to do it. I was so uh, Velveteen Dream puts in this spectacular showing, and the but Black wins, and the idea is now that Black is finally going to say Velveteen Dream's name. He's going to give him the uh, he's going to recognise him. So even though he lost, he's sort of more over as a result. He's he got over in defeat, and especially the crowd was so behind Dream more more than uh, Black by the end. So Black just it turns was, to it him. was cheer the heels night. Mm. I thought though, uh, Black was gonna like cut a five minute promo. I was really worried. I thought they they won't do that, but they could also do that. But all he did was he sat down next to Dream, looked at him, and said, "Enjoy infamy, Velveteen Dream." Yeah, and he just put, dropped the mic and walked out. Didn't you know? Like, didn't look back or anything. It was perfect. Absolutely perfect. My and uh, perhaps I, I said my only criticism was the direction. Maybe another bit of criticism is that this feud I wanted this feud to go on longer because I've enjoyed it so mm. much and I mean I enjoyed that match so much that I'd love to have seen like a series of matches with them but man what a great match loved it I don't know I think that was, that was you know had a, a real nice like resolution oh no and, no I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm, well, I'm, I, the enemy is from a completely selfish point mm. of view right? I'd, I'd have just loved to have seen more of this uh, these two having matches and telling great stories they gave you what you needed not what you wanted yeah. which is which is better uh, next up, we had the women's four-way: Kyrie Sane versus Peyton Royce, who was the most over. Ember Moon and Nikki Cross for the vacant NXT Women's Championship. Vacant was vacating the belt, unfortunately, due to injury. I had Kyrie Sane down. You had Nikki Cross. Yep. We were both wrong because Ember Moon won. Uh, do you know what is funny as well? So, as soon as the, like they all made their entries, and I think Ember Moon came out last. And then they went from Dallas, Texas, and I went, "Oh, bugger, she's winning, isn't she?" Usually, it's no. Oh, okay, she's definitely losing. <laughs> oh, I know. If it was the main roster, I, 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 th- I thought, "Oh no, bugger, she's mm. she's gonna she's gonna win this because that'll be a really nice moment." And because Asuka was at ringside, I was like, yeah. "Oh," and then Asuka's gonna de- like, present her with the belt. Damn, I should have seen this coming. So this was a uh, this was a fun match. Yeah, but for me, it was it was the the least good. I don't want to say bad because it wasn't bad, but it was the least good on the show. For me, it felt like although some of the spots were really quite inventive, it did just feel like 
people going to the spot and then there was like bits in between that didn't really matter uh like rather than like the previous match which was so good was telling a story all the way through this was more like okay now we need to all awkward there were so many double moves like yeah. ember moon would hit the total eclipse of the heart or whatever it's called on two people someone else would hit a move on two people and it just that always uh that always takes me out of it sometimes. yeah no I, I definitely agree with that especially considering that according to uh rumor and innuendo and especially the way they do nxt matches uh, women's matches down in nxt mm-hmm. is that they rehearse them to an absolute t and that's really what it felt like it felt like a rehearsal like it felt like the performance of a very very rehearsed match yeah. that didn't quite play out as smoothly as some of their previous rehearsals might have done yeah plus with four people in there it's, it's always it's gonna always be gonna be but i will say i absolutely loved the finish uh with ember moon hitting the total eclipse of the heart uh onto uh peyton and nikki cross mm. i thought that was a wonderful finish after nikki cross had been hit by loads of other moves yeah. as well oh, that so that really sort good. of protects her i so i i mean i wasn't blown away by the match no. uh, like i said but the but I was like, oh, cool, Ember Moon's won. Eh, I kind of, you know, I was, I was sort of rooting for Kyrie Sane. Uh, I think Nikki Cross would have been better as a uh, as a sort of heel-ish champion that the babyface can chase, like you said. But then listening to Wrestling Observer Radio, Brian Alvarez said, "Why do this here? Because now it feels like Ember Moon couldn't beat Asuka. She tried all those times; she couldn't beat her." But now she can win this four way. So she's like, she's an unworthy. This is an unworthy. Whoever's winning, apart from Kyrie saying, because she hasn't, this is her first opportunity here, is going to feel like an unworthy champion. So you should give that to the character most suited to be an unworthy champion, which is Peyton Royce. Mm, yeah. And if it's a four way, you don't have to win. I, I get why they did it in the hometown. Uh, but I, and the, the moment with Asuka afterwards was nice. But I do kind of feel now like. Ember Moon's title win should have been pushed back even further. Yeah, I mean, as I think I said this on the prediction show that mm. it's, you know, if she'd have failed here, it would have been the third time failing to get the NXT Women's Championship. So if if they weren't going to put the belt on her at this point, I wouldn't have put her in the match. So at least she wasn't a three-time loser. At least she actually won a match this time. But she could have been screwed the, the, yeah, with the no, dynamics of this. Yeah, and I, yeah, absolutely. I, I can get behind that. Mm. Um, I, of the four, she was the one I least wanted to win. Yeah, uh, we got we both which, got which, that wrong, which is a shame as well because I really like Ember Moon. We both got that match wrong. Next up was yeah, I'm gonna say my second favorite match of the night: Drew yeah. McIntyre versus Andrade Cien Almas. Uh, absolutely cracking match. Andrade was on fire. He's got such a good act going with Zelina Vega. Yep. Who, uh, who's like, that's what a manager should be. Like, she's got the manager roll down perfectly. And when she hits a move, that hurricanrana of someone uh, kneeling on the ground looks amazing. Because I think Drew McIntyre, Drew McIntyre on his knees was the same height as selena vega when she had to hit that such an interesting like visual mm. it was really awesome she probably had to jump as well she couldn't just uh do that and, it, and he went straight down onto the mat and that was a great kick off uh kick out moment uh andrade's moonsault off the top rope to the outside on drew was stunning uh the only bad thing and it's it's crazy that that happened in the last move of the match was uh we both had McIntyre to win, but Almas won. Yeah. I actually think that if you we were putting the belt on Andrade, I personally would have had the finish uh, following the, the Hammerlock DDT, following the interference from uh, Zelina. Mm. Because I thought that was that was the moment that the crowd was super into, 
like there was a genuine like everyone stood up thinking like oh my god we are going to see a title change here mm. and they weren't on their in the same mode when they actually did the finish so the finish didn't come off as hot as i think it would have done mm. had they done it off the original hammerlock spots uh hammerlock ddt spot having said that i thought the match was awesome mm. i thought that uh, dream mcintyre's claymore kick where i mean andrade did about twenty thousand flips before he uh, landed i thought it was just marvelous that it's told a really good story drew's awesome but yeah, maybe we should talk about the, uh, the, the 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 true sadness of this match. Yeah, so in the in the last bit, so that Drew runs to Almas and he misses a big boot and he sort of gets hung up on the top rope. And I, th- oh god, it looks horrible. It looks like he completely tears a bollock off. <laughs> and he's holding his groin for a long time afterwards. And I thought, ouch, something's gone wrong there. But then it, apparently, I mean, I, maybe that did happen, but it was fine. The problem came when he. That the very next move, Almas hits his finisher, which is like a like it's a DDT. It's the hammerlock DDT, yeah. yeah. But he didn't have like his arms tied up or anything. He just hit the DDT mm. off the top. But Drew was holding onto the rope to balance himself because so get... Drew's legs were on the on yeah. the top rope, like a sort of uh, Randy Orton uh, DDT. Yeah. So when when Almas came down, I think Drew just held onto the rope. He should have let it go a little bit sooner, and it just yanked it. It looks Oof. like, and it possibly torn a bicep, which will put him out for three. Three to six six months is usually yeah six months usually especially if you've got to go in for surgery. Mm. So that's a real bummer for Drew because I mean there's a lot of people speculated when he lost before people uh, learned about the injury that he was just getting called up because that's usually what happens when uh, champions lose their championships. They, it's like the next stage is to yeah get called up. Oh, I think Drew is a better. I mean, he could have been a, a really good like just long time baby face badass brand ambassador champion that's what i thought he was going to be yeah but i do also i i also see the value in him as a chaser as a baby face chaser and taking out people with blood feuds uh but yeah this was this was always the plan it seems for for almas to beat mcintyre injury or not which is insane sorry and that was the other thing that a lot of people speculated that Mm. because of the injury that drew sort of called it on the fly to say i'll give andrade the belt i'll just get pinned um, but yeah, apparently so. It was it was always the plan. That's what um, is being reported, which is so weird when you consider they were doing all this build towards Adam Cole and Drew McIntyre, mm. which they'd set up at the previous takeover, to then maybe not do that. Well, it's, that's that is one of NXT's strengths. At the same time, that they can set up so many storylines. There's loads of directions they could take. We both had. We were quite certain why well, it's going to be a Drew McIntyre win. Yeah, I didn't buy for a second it was going to be Andrade. Yeah, but he Andrade won the belt, and he looked so happy afterwards. Yeah, it was. I was. It was sad though seeing Drew very injured and very unhappy. But Almas celebrated like a champ. He came off like a big time star. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the reign of Almas. As am I. But my question to you, Oliver Davis, uh, with Andrade now as uh, as this heel champion, and if Drew is on the shelf. Who do you put into the uh, into the Drew position? Mm, yeah, it is it is a difficult one. Uh, I mean, your, your top singles guys are Roddy uh, and Eric Young, and Black. Alistair Black could be the next one, but I think you'd want him to win the title in his first go. Uh, Velveteen Dream. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, but they, or, it's not like know, they haven't Adam got Cole. people. Yeah, Adam Cole. But again, like Adam Cole for me is like Adam Cole versus Andrade. It's like it's a heel versus heel dynamic. Like Roddy is almost the perfect mm. person to go against Andrade, especially because they kind of had a bit of a, a series going on on TV. I was with Johnny Gargano. 
But I think they have had a match on NXT TV. I might be mistaken on that one. But I could see them going with that. But at the same time, I don't feel like the Adam Cole, Roderick Strong storyline's finished yet. Yeah. And I don't really want to remove them from that just to put a baby face into the title contendership. Shawn Michaels. It's going to be Shawn Michaels. Yeah, why not? Speaking of Roddy and Cole, War Games. Uh, if you want to find the entire rules, go and look on the feed because it, <laughs> it's got the big... Uh, yeah, we've got a T-shirt down. Yeah. Uh, that They did it just like the old War Games. We're going to take a minute or two to just run everyone through the rules here. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a ridiculous concept. And as as quite a few people have pointed out, and I, I thought my, to myself as well while watching this, this was very much War Games... This was WWE War Games. This was not the War Games of old. This was the WWE version of War Games. And that's fine. Hmm. That's absolutely fine. They didn't want to put the roof on because you want to be able to do the spots off the top. You want to be able to do the dives off the top and all that sort of go. And also, you don't want it to look too much like a Hell in a Cell, I guess, uh, or make it look like it's bigger mm-hmm. and badder than the Hell in a Cell. And, um, and I actually like the fact that they put the pinfall rule into effect in this especially because there's three teams i thought it added a bit of a nice like near fall dynamic to it as opposed to just sticking strictly to the the submission or knockout rule i quite like the i mean it does take away from the contained atmosphere having the roof on top of the cage but i liked the way they got round it and saying if you escape from the cage you forfeit the match for your team and that just added another sort of layer of storytelling tension because when adam cole was up there and Roddy was coming after him. It was like, oh, is he actually going to sacrifice himself? And obviously he wasn't, but uh, it was a nice thing to have to play with mm. as a storytelling thing. And of course, there was the, rather than people just coming out from the back, they were in like shark cages. Yes. Were they just laying around from other shark cage matches that they were going to do? I guess so. What did you think of that? They looked a bit silly up there. I thought, do you know what the other thing I didn't particularly like? The fact that like, and I found this very confusing when they were reading out the rules. It was only until mm. the match came into effect that I fully understood yeah. how the match worked. But I didn't like that the entire team came out. I thought it was going to be a one-by-one. I thought it works better when it's a one-by-one system because mm. like, that's how you kind of build the story of just like one person has the advantage. Oh no, now they're, two, they're at a 2 one one disadvantage. Now someone's come in to even up the score. Oh no, now someone's come in to make it a three-on-two thing and i always really liked that about sort of uh, war games matches but having said all that having you know compared it to war games of old i found this match to be thoroughly entertaining and it was just it was chaotic madness at its best it was crazy i i thought it was a bit slow going but and it was a long match so they they had to pace it out like this my wife got very bored and she yeah. and she came in i'd say with about 10 minutes to go and she mm. thought it was going on too long oh wow uh, but the yeah, it just it wasn't until the authors of pain came in, so that was the second group to come in. Bit of a watch uh, on that as well because they'd highlighted sanity. Because they what sorry? Oh yeah yeah yeah. The the lights were still going around, uh, and that looked like that. Then the the match seemed to step up a gear went with the two big guys in there. But it wasn't until sanity came down and just started chucking weapons into the ring where you're like, oh, it's gonna be one of those, is it? <laughs> and then Killian Dane couldn't get the. Like oh, but like obviously because they had table spots planned, obviously they were going to bring tables in. But Killian Dane didn't get the tables at the start. He stood on the on the the steps, and it wasn't until the crowd started chanting "We want tables," obviously as they would, then he went out and got the tables. Chaos reigns. It was a it was a really well crafted moment. Although I will say with the table thing, crowd were super hot for tables all night. It was probably the most over thing on the entire show. Mm. 
Um, and then they kind of set up the tables, and then there were more chance of we want tables, we want tables. And they did table swap, didn't react to it. Yeah, I mean, it was the the, the production was the most problematic here because that they missed so many bits. Yeah, but that's for the live crowd. Yeah, you what? Well, well, I don't know if. Maybe it would have looked. Maybe your mind wouldn't have picked up on that if you saw the whole thing yeah. in those moments. Because I remember that that one being bad. Uh, the super collider spot. They yeah. only had one guy, and it's like they didn't have a hard cam set up to show both rings. It felt like sometimes. Yeah, I, that's, I think that's exactly what it is. Because there was also a spot where Killian Dane was doing the fall away slam Samoan drop thing, yeah. and they were just focused on Killian Dane doing just staring across the ring. And then after he'd done it, he got up and looked, and the author of pain was stood there. And apparently he'd done the exact same spot and they were mirroring each other. But we, the home audience, didn't see that because yeah. we only saw what Killian Dane was doing. And the poor sole cameraman in the middle, I don't know how he wasn't squashed. Like, he, uh, yeah. yeah. I kept on trying to spot him in other shots. Yeah, he yeah. did so well to stay out everyone else's shots. He was, he was probably the MVP of the yeah, match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, got to give a shout out to uh, poor old Alexander Wolf, where he mm. did the, the German suplex through the table and... Busted his his head open big time. Yeah, there's a lot of blood. There was uh, red on him. There was red on Eric Young. Uh, I think Adam Cole got red as well. But the most red was the referee. What the hell was he thinking? It was. I would be so annoyed if he. T- I'm, I'm being genuine here. I would be furious if he turned up to a wrestling show I was running. I've never done that, but I imagine I would be. Uh, if he turned up that orange, he looked <laughs> ridiculous, and he actually took me out of a lot of the matches. Really, I didn't spot oh him. Oh my god, it, I he didn't was, spot him. He didn't spot him. No, he was bright orange. He looked like an umpa lumpa. <laughs> I didn't see him at all. Oh, I very, I very rarely notice referees in wrestling matches. Oh my god, he it was it was like someone has ribbed him, like so, <laughs> like oh he likes a bit of fake tan. Let's put some extra strength stuff on him, and because it, it's fake, it's definitely fake tan. Yeah, it doesn't. It's just gone completely orange. Absolute moron. I, I thought that was ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, that the high spots in this match were were pretty cool. Yep, big uh, super duper, ooper duper mm. superplex from with Roddy and Adam Cole off the top of the War Games cell onto everyone. Thank God they were all there to catch him, which I thought they'd actually filmed quite spectacularly, yeah. really, because I didn't see everyone getting up and getting into position to catch them, which I mm. thought was a really nice touch. There was my I, so my two favourite spots though were of course the Killian Dane coast to coast when he gets up there so it's Kylo Riley who had the trash yeah. can with him uh, Adam Cole is still trying to get away from everyone in the top corner Killian Dane gets up to the top rope he just looks to Adam Cole and he goes I'm going to kill him now or something to that effect <laughs> yeah. and then jumps across but my other favourite spot as soon as uh, I think it was Sanity came in Kylo Riley goes straight for one of them with a chair. They move out the way. Carlo Riley hits the top rope with the chair, and it hits him back in the head. My sister-in-law bellowed with laughter. She really? Thought that was the funniest thing she'd oh, ever I seen. I thought it was really inventive. Yeah. I really liked it. No, no, that. I, I thought it was great. It's yeah. still Kurt Angle spot. Kurt Angle used to do it all the time mm. as well. I really liked it when, when Kurt did it. He was a master of, of the timing on that. Uh, but she thought it was the funniest thing she'd ever seen. Nice. Well, got to get your kicks. I, I thought Killian Dane was awesome in this match. He was like, mm. I know, I joked about the, the, the cameraman being the MVP, but I think Killian Dane might have been my MVP of the I, match. I agree, yeah. And it's that's it's weird how uh, the Authors of Pain, they're, like, they're good as a unit, but as, as sole performers, they're just pretty good. But together, they're really good. Uh, like, amazing. But split, like they were in the camera shots a lot of the time. They're not as intimidating. But Killian Dane is always intimidating if he's in a shot. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, Adam Cole won with... Oh, my God, what was the actual finish? 
Um, I'm going to guess some sort of kick to the head. Yeah. Maybe a knee or something. Oh, no, it was, it was um, Eric Young had a chair. Uh-huh. And he like I think he needed the chair oh, into yeah, yeah, like yeah. a shining wizard into yeah, the chair, which is really that. weird that Eric Young was then holding the chair because I thought he was gonna hit him, which mm-hmm. is what I, I predicted sanity. I had initially put down undisputed error, then talked myself out of it, mm-hmm. um, which is annoying on my part. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was a, a a very decent match. I really enjoyed it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Survivor Series 2017 now kicked off uh, on, the, on the pre-pre-show. The pre-pre-show. The pre-pre-show. The pre-pre-kickoff show, which is all the way down here, uh, with Elias beating Matt Hardy. I haven't seen the pre-show. You didn't watch the pre-show? No, That's where all the best matches were. Were they really? No. I did see that on the one night of the year when Raw and SmackDown go head-to-head in direct competition that they had a lot of Raw v. Raw and SmackDown v. SmackDown matches. Yeah, and it just... It's like, what's the point? <laughs> what was the point of having a two-hour... Pre- just have it... Just have no matches. Or just have one match with Kalisto and Enzo. It really was a bit of a waste. Because at least it would have been something fresh if you had a Raw versus SmackDown thing going on on the, on the pre-show. Elias versus Ty. Yeah, that would have been good. Or Breezango versus Gal Anderson. Yeah. You know, there's so many things you could have done. 
Uh, it's but, the one night of the year where Raw and SmackDown go head to head in direct competition. Don't get to do it any time other than that. Uh, yeah, so Elias beat Matt Hardy in. It was it was nothing. <laughs> it was nothing. Um, they Michael Cole started uh, the night here, and he said both locker rooms are really amped up because they know what's on the line. <laughs> and I, I was like. I don't know yeah. what's on the line. Though. I did think that because they did it during the night as well when they did like the scoreboard for Raw and SmackDown, mm. and I suddenly thought, I was like, what are we counting this towards? Yeah, uh, like you should have a. I, I was thinking like, what could actually be on the line if you've got a champion in your match? You, it makes you the number one contender. I actually liked uh, Brian Alvarez's idea, mm. which is they get the second half of the Royal Rumble entrance. That also works for the men, for the men's at least. Yeah. Uh, and so Elias worked over Matt's left shoulder, which uh, I think was a reference to because it's Jeff's shoulder that's injured. So that was kind of nice, mm-hmm. but yeah, completely throwaway. Um, Enzo Amore versus Kalisto no, was. I, I did see the botched entrance. Mm, this was uh, at least consequential because it was for a title, but nothing, nothing happened. Uh, but yeah, the botch. Tell us about the botch, Luke. Well, Kalisto went to do his little springboard thing, didn't quite get the uh, the. It was the direction, the really. velocity. He got the altitude, mm. but he was not going far enough. So he kind of like then just sort of bounced on the rope a little bit, and I mean, he recovered very well. He 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 stayed with just like half dangled over the top yeah. rope. That, but it seemed like an eternity. I bet for him, it was forever. And then he just slowly lopped over <laughs> and uh, was in the ring. But he Poor yeah, lad. recovered well. Poor lad. I mean, he does that like thing, you know, five times a week. Mm. And it just so happens that the one time on pay-per-view is when he got it wrong. Just just so happens to be the one night a year. Yeah, as when all eyes oh, are on Survivor Series because it is the one night of the year. Uh, I It did remind me of the physical version of when Kalisto botched a promo. <laughs> yeah, it was quite the famous one from the brand split last year. And it's he in just, the, uh, the Botchamania intro. Yeah, and he's like... Uh, the lucha things <laughs> and walks off it, it was a similar like mental fart uh, so this actual match so you didn't see this one Enzo I, I do like Enzo he's not you know not nothing blow away in the ring but the way he uses the ring as a construct to win his matches I, I enjoy personally uh, It this sort of spilled out onto the apron mm-hmm. and it was Enzo giving him the what's it it's not eat defeat what's Giordanzo. it Giordanzo Giordanzo on the apron and then he pulled Kalisto's arm through the turnbuckle and sort of used that as the difference maker and then he won. I liked. It wasn't a good match, but I do appreciate Enzo, unlike everyone else. Uh, and then we had Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn coming out to cut a promo and it was effectively they should be leading Team Smackdown but instead we're doing this. It was a good promo. Especially Kevin Owens. Did you hear about this line? He said, this is the building where I won my first ever he won the Universal Championship here, won something else here, and then everyone was cheering for him. You know, mm. like, way, we enjoyed those moments. And he just turns on the crowd and says, those are my moments, don't you dare cheer them. Lovely stuff. Really good. Great. Uh, what a heel. But then Breezango came out, and they tried to issue them some fashion tickets for having cap. bad beards. Oh. Uh, Sammy didn't have a cap on, but they did call him a paper boy. It was, it wasn't funny. Mm. Mm. And then the actual match was fine, but it, you know, it didn't mean anything. Yeah, it's it's just filler. It's just yeah. getting guys on the card because we've got two hours to fill. So that was that was did the, the did the two hours at least go by quickly? Did we get a social media lounge segment? Yep. Yeah, 
Uh, I skipped through a lot of the because it was a long. Oh, you night. skipped it! That's <laughs> disgraceful. I watched the matches, but and then I'd like occasionally see a clip of bits here and there. But uh, yeah, I didn't think. I, I mean, I'm gonna obviously go back and rewatch the social media lounge. It's my favorite part of anything WWE do. Obviously, yeah. Like they, I mean, that's where people put stuff in the network. They say like uh, the table for threes are really good because they go in depth in the stuff. Uh, Drive along can sometimes be really funny. The 24 documentaries, uh, the Kevin Owens one is apparently really good. They just launched that new one, 365. Sorry, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah the yeah. 365 one and the social media lounge. Well, yeah. Did you see? Have you seen what happens on the Kevin Owens one? Uh, no, I, th- I did see them have a trailer for it, but I, w- mm. I think I was too busy writing down notes. But it is on my like. I, I do want to watch that. I might even watch it this afternoon. There is a heartbreaking moment at WrestleMania in gorilla position, not gorilla position, but where all the uh, the backstage production stuff is, and Vince has his headset on. He's watching a screen, and Kevin Owens walks over and says, "This is after his match with Jericho." I assume someone has said to Owens. Vince wasn't happy with the match. You want to? You probably want to go over and say something to him. Mm. And Owens goes over and goes, "Are we good?" And McMahon doesn't look up and just goes, "No," and doesn't say anything else. And Owens, you can't see Owens's face because where the camera is is just standing there. And he stands there for about fifteen seconds, and then he walks off. And you're like, and Vince is just like doing, like continues talking, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Imagine feeling that. Yeah. Because that, I bet. Owens was just there, like completely mortified. Yeah, Poor Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I can't wait to watch it all. That I've only seen that clip. Uh, but the show of Survivor Series, 41 minutes into our own show, kicked <laughs> off with the Shield versus the New Day. Yep. And my first note here is, oh my god, we have a five-man commentary team. Yes. Oh boy, did we have a five-man commentary team all sat behind the mm. same desk in the raw position because that is the a show and e man it was awful all night bloody long yeah we should probably just put that as a disclaimer, disclaimer. the commentary was awful so bad the amount of times and it was the, at its worst after matches when you had if a smackdown team won you got byron side to go like hey, smackdown's good at point and then you got like michael cogger like oh shut up saxon and just talking over each other and just arguing it was just I, I, the amount of times I said to myself, "Oh God, shut up, mm. stop talking." It was awful compared to the previous night's commentary, yeah. where McGuinness and Ronello are just superb. Percy Watson, don't really I actually thought him. Percy was all right on that. Uh, I mean, he's I kind of tune him out. He's that's because I think he says about three things mm. per show, but at least those three things are usually all right. Uh, the because on the pre-show they did have uh, split commentary teams, uh, and even for the cruiserweight match it was Tom Phillips and Nigel McGuinness mm. that's right no it's Vic, no, Joseph. Vic Joseph and I thought I actually thought oh are they going to continue this for the main show because it would only really be Byron Saxton oh no no like Corey Graves would uh, be on all the bits yeah. like he, he must get a tired voice and then when they all five of them were standing <laughs> there I was like oh god I didn't even comprehend this as a possibility it did look like the worst faction of all time yeah it was like who needs Michael Cole and Tom Phillips? Who both sound exactly the same. Yeah. Oh, dearie me, it was bad. Uh, and Booker T. He had a hell of a night. Poor old Ross is going to have a hell of a time going through all of the things that Booker T said. This, oh, man alive. Uh, although I'm going to fight my boy Byron's corner later I on. I thought Byron was great, actually. In his little his little got bits that he got in there. Yeah. When he was cheering on SmackDown, couldn't stand the man. 
but he did get a couple of lines in there where I was like, oh, that's pretty Are you cool. coming round to my, my way of thinking Still, that he plays his character perfectly? He does play a nerd very well. There was a... I can't remember where this line... I, there's one line later on, which I love, and I'm, I'll talk about it at the time, but I can't remember where this one came, so I'll bring it up now. Uh, but Booker T said something like, you know, people like you have never had a real fight in your life. And Byron just said, I know people who have had fights. <laughs> Anyway, the the Shield versus the New Day. Uh, New Day cut a promo beforehand, sort of positioning them as the baby faces. Yeah. Um, actually, my first notes really about this is mm. when the um, they were doing their entrance. And it just kind of sort of struck me as the real problem of this Raw versus SmackDown thing that they're trying to do. So WWE's general idea with the Raw versus SmackDown thing is that people will watch Raw and people will watch SmackDown in the same way that people watch WWF and people watch WCW. You have loyal fan bases to both. If you only like the guys that are on here, then you don't like the guys that are mm. on here if you like this brand over here. That's their idea. That's what they want. That's not what happens. Nevermore was that personified, or just like perfectly captured when Kevin Dunn filmed a, uh, a woman wearing a raw shirt, holding her child in a raw shirt, celebrating the new day coming down to the ring. And I was like, this doesn't work. Mm. And if this is the gimmick you're trying to get over, don't focus on that person there that's going against the thing you're trying yeah. to get over. Oh, or just stop having as many shots of peop- individual people in the crowd. It's infuriating. <laughs> uh, the Yeah, the Shield, I felt... I mean, they always kind of wrestle quite heelish anyway. They're sort of dog pack, pack of dogs mentality. Uh, I, thought this was a re- I thought this was a really good match. But it wasn't as good as their individual feuds with the bar and... Usos. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought this match took a little while to get going. Mm-hmm. By the end, I was I was really enjoying it. I thought the second half was much better than the first half. But yeah, I thought it was a bit... It wasn't as great as I'd hoped it would be. I thought they were going to put on a real, like, yeah. steal-the-show, barn-burner match. And... Uh, especially when it was the opener. I thought yeah. they are going to go out and kill it. Absolutely. And I really don't think that they did. Also, Roman has no team spirit. He did come down with his half-raw, half-shield <laughs> yeah. shirt. Terrible. What a loser he is. Well, what about Cena? Well, I'll get to that. <laughs> uh, I I can't remember the last time I saw a Seth Rollins buckle bomb. No. I thought and... he retired that after killing two people. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a great moment from Booker T here during the Unicorn Stampede when mm-hmm. they're doing legal tags and Booker T goes, ref, do your job. And everyone was like, he is Booker. That's a legal manoeuvre. Um, and yeah. I, actually, do you know what? I didn't think the cr- I thought the crowd weren't really into this match either until Roman came in. Hmm. I thought the crowd really came alive when Roman came in because all of a sudden you've got people who like Roman and cheered him and people who don't like Roman who wanted to boo him. And all of a sudden the crowd came alive and then I thought the crowd were actually hotter for the rest of the match. And unfortunately, WWE don't hear the split reaction. They just hear the reaction. Yes, And exactly. that's why they continue to push Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it was it was like not to take away because it was a really enjoyable match. But I maybe it's my own fault. Maybe it's WWE's. I expected a a, 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 a night-stealing performance. I completely agree. I did love the spot, though. I thought they the, the, they did a double midnight hour thing, which was a bit uh, a bit messy uh, at times. It took a little while to kind of like get themselves into position mm. for it. But I did love when they had the pin and Roman did the spear onto one of the New Day into the yeah. pin. I thought that yeah. was a really, really nice move. And then, yeah, the uh, super-duper-ooper-duper triple power bomb off the second rope. Nice little spot. Great finish. You mean a shield bomb? No, no, it's not the shield bomb anymore. It's no, TM. No, 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 thank God. Thank God. That was one night. <laughs> they saw, they saw the light. Oh, but then we got maybe like 
uh, the best thing on the show, Stephanie McMahon being shrill, playing mm. with her toys and telling all the kids to go out and have fun at recess. Stephanie McMahon in heels, being really <laughs> tall and looking much bigger than everyone else there. I've written here, Stephanie is backstage, towering over every woman mm. on the roster. Unbelievable. Literally and figuratively. Yeah, unbelievable. I Poor, I just, poor Asuka. Asuka looked like... So by the end of this match, this is the women's elimination match, of course, Asuka did look much the best that she's looked on the main roster so far. Yes. However, it was... like Because I've seen a lot of people go, oh, Asuka, yeah, now she's finally arrived. But I was watching the match and I thought... Well, let's get into the match then. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, she just... She came in off a tag. This was her first involvement in the match. She came in, did a few kicks in the corner, tagged out. And I was like, what? Why are you doing this? Why don't you have just Asuka sitting on the side, like just staring down, uh, crazily staring down someone from the other side? Because it's Becky Lynch, right? That's that They've been going back and forth, building the stuff about breaking her arm. She didn't even get to touch Becky Lynch because Becky Lynch was eliminated by that surprise Bailey roll-up. Yeah, in about a minute. Yeah, and then Bailey went soon after that. It was like, oh, great. This is... And Alicia Fox screwed up her oh, one. Oh, God, Alicia Fox. Fox I, and Naomi's exchange was pretty horrendous. I think they tried 100 moves and botched every single one mm. of them. Um, yeah, but on your, your, your Asuka points, there was another part. They did, um, they did the... The, the match we've all been waiting for, the Nia Jax-Tamina stare down. Like, this was the... And actually, I'll be honest with you, although I'm being very facetious here, actually was quite cool when they... It, when it they, got, yeah, it, that was really good. I thought they actually... When they, but there was a moment when Nia went over and clobbered one of the SmackDown women who were on the, on the entrance. And I was like, okay, cool. So Tamina's going to go and do that spot now. And I just... I was about to think... I was about to write in my notes, I hope she doesn't do it to Asuka. She hits Asuka. Yeah. And I'm like, that better build to something. And it didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... I've written here, not Asuka, FFS. Like, there's there's a way you could have... Asuka did look good off the back of this, but if you built the whole storyline of Asuka's rogue, Asuka's a badass, she's not even, like, out... She's not even at the Stephanie McMahon team address. Yeah. That makes her look so much cooler. Yeah. Uh, but... That's not what happened. And they also kept calling uh, Nijax the biggest threat on Team Raw, which I think mm. really downplays the uh, the specialness of Asuka. I feel like sometimes this show does turn into like the, the Asuka love fest and how WWE just aren't really using her effectively. Uh, can I give you a couple of other nitpicks that I had about this? Tell me. Uh, why was Natalia so happy? She was just smiling. Yeah. She was cheering herself. And then... Just lost the title. Uh, yeah, just lost the title a few days ago. So she's now not in the big championship match. She was a very last minute addition into this match. And she was a clear- mystery addition. So she was clearly an afterthought. Here she comes out smiling. Hey, I'm on Team SmackDown. I'm Team Blue. Mm. And then Becky Lynch. Then they're in the ring. She's like, yay, Becky, go. And I'm like, don't you hate this person? Like, yeah. why, are you, why are you suddenly cheering these people? Also, Booker T at one point said, imagine if we lost Natalia. Not on your team, Booker. Oh, God. <laughs> What is wrong with him? I was over in here. Was Alicia Fox eliminated? Not sure what happened. So, yeah, I've watched this multiple times because no one ever announces her elimination. Everyone else, you know, Sasha Banks has been eliminated. Guarantee you that's a storyline point. They'll bring bring that up on Raw. That'll be her new gimmick. And the unpinnable, unbeatable Alicia Fox. And that'll be her feud. screws everything up. And that'll be her her starting feud into Asuka, undefeated at Survivor Series. Going against the undefeated Empress of Tomorrow. This is the fourth time this year she's screwed up a TV or pay-per-view match like yeah. that. And, and it was all in the pins. Like, she, all she had to do was stay down for three. 
Why did no, no, she? No, no, she, but I don't think that's what she was meant to do. She was meant to do the because uh, Naomi does this a lot, where she gets you into the pin and then you kick out too, but she trans like does that into the submission sure. that she does. And I think that Alicia Fox just stayed down for three rather than getting up to do the submission because they then went to do the submission, mm. but Alicia Fox started to roll out. I think the referee she, pushed her out. Like yeah. he was like pushing her out. No, Alicia Fox kicked out at two. Oh, yeah, God, yeah, yeah. What a mess. Uh, yeah. Um, but this this did get really good at the end. Uh, I really liked Asuka and Natalia in the ring together. I thought Asuka's ground submission game was so slick. I you know just doing all the various submission moves. I loved her counter of the sharpshooter as well. Such an inventive yeah. like that. Like it's such. I loved it. I thought it was great. Mm. Next up, we had. Uh, oh, so we both had uh, Raw for that, didn't we? We certainly did. We did. I've also written down here. This commentary is pissing me off. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had Stephanie McMahon and Daniel Bryan backstage because Stephanie McMahon is all over this show. Also, I mean, they were here to remind us that Triple H, Shane and Cena are the stars of the main event. Mm. And, and also, so Stephanie asked Bryan in this bit here. She said, uh, "Just, I just want to know how Shane McMahon got John Cena, free agent John Cena. Did he just think of it first or did you strike a deal? And Daniel Bryan was like, I don't know. And that was <laughs> it. Like, they thought someone was going to explain it and just like, no, nah, we, nah, we didn't bother to contextualize that okay. <laughs> especially because someone pointed out to me in Twitter something I actually hadn't thought of mm. where Shane McMahon has been doing this whole thing about just like the people on the Raw team have had to uh, the people on the Smackdown team have had to earn their spots into this match it's why Randy Orton had a qualifying match it's why Shinsuke had a qualifying match and it's why John Cena was just put into the match and me as Shane McMahon, I just put myself into I this just, match yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Bobby Roode had a qualifying <sighs> match. Mm. Rusev had to have a qualifying match and lost. He didn't get on the team. He had a second qualifying match. Oh, no, no. He was meant to face AJ Styles. Yeah. And then he had a and face... he faced Randy Orton, who was already on the team. Yeah. Big, big mess. Uh, but this segment was pretty good when Stephanie said, well, when we, you know, we kill Shane McMahon, when we hurt my brother... You'll have you'll have full control of SmackDown. What would you do with it? And it's just left on Daniel Bryan not really giving anything away with his face. Mm. But it was a, you know that's an interesting plot point. Uh, next up, we had the bathroom break, which didn't. It was actually pretty decent. Baron Corbin versus The Miz. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I, I this match was better than I expected, but it is literally like my expectations were so low that. It certainly exceeded said expectations. Mm. Having said that, I've only written one note, which is end of days from out of nowhere, Corbin wins. Yeah, they're they're building that up as a new out of nowhere move, aren't yeah. they? Which I which I quite like. I'm, it, I'm, it does look good, especially if you then are building up to a feud with Randy Orton, where it's the moves from out mm. of nowhere. Uh, they uh, that there was Mister Raj interference. Uh, Corbin shouted at Maurice, you know, like I'm what a real man looks like. And Maurice mm-hmm. like, ah. I'm surprised that didn't play into the finish. Mm, yeah, well. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought Baron looked pretty good here. Yeah, because he did take out a lot of the Miz-tourage. Doesn't hurt the Miz. Yeah, and Corbin cut a promo afterwards saying, "Yeah, I'm going to shut up everyone's mouth." Although he got the line wrong. Did he? What did well, he because say? the Miz's thing is like when my hand goes oh, up, yeah, your mouth goes shut. shut. He said, "Your like your down, your hand is down. Your mouth goes closed." Yeah, <laughs> your mouth goes closed. <laughs> I was like, "You idiot, Baron! You had one line." Uh, so I had Baron Corbin for the win there. Yeah, I thought the Miz would win. So that's one up to me. Yep. Paul Heyman then cut a fantastic promo backstage on AJ Styles. Certainly did. Just building him up. And he cut an even better one on the YouTube channel after like after the whole night comparing him to Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. Really, he's a surprise, surprise. He's a great promo. 
The Usos and The Bar then had probably my second favourite match on the show. Yep. It was just really good. It was just really, really good. It was, again, it wasn't as good as their respective Shield and New, uh, New Day feuds. But it was, yeah. Yeah, I thought, it, again, I thought it was good. It took a little while to get going. But I think after they'd done the the, the first fake-out hot tag, I thought that's mm. where the match really picked up. And uh, I sort of actually quite enjoyed it from from that moment on. There was a... And I'm actually going to jump to the defense of Booker T Ooh. in this segment here. Because Booker T was talking about tag team wrestling, as he does, because he started out his career as a, as a tag team wrestler mm. with his brother Stevie Ray. And he said, I'm a 10-time tag team champion. And then Michael Cole and Corey Graves started to laugh, started to call him out on it, saying, like, you were never a 10-time tag team champ. I checked it. He was. He was a WCW, uh, 10-time champion in WCW. He's also won multiple tag team championships in WWE. So, actually, Booker was right. Although he did then follow that up when he said to Corey, when were you a tag team champion? And then Corey and Michael stumbled over each other to try and make the point first that he was an NXT tag team champion. Yeah. Uh... This uh, the the actual match. I really got into the near falls yeah. when so the uh, the bar worked over one of the Usos for quite a while. Uh, Jimmy, no Jay, Jay. Hopefully, I'm sure we'll get told who it was. Well, I've got here Seamus dragging Jay. So mm. good, and I think that was from <laughs> so I, good. And I think that was because like Jay was going for the hot tag, and he was just dragging him away while going to his mm. corner so he could tag in uh, Cesaro. Uh, then there was a they said super kick party. On the commentary. They certainly did. Uh, which, of course, is a Young Bucks. Might be trademarked. Dave Meltzer said it might be. He's going to ask the Young Bucks. They might have trademarked that for merchandise reasons in a wrestling capacity. So maybe there could be an interesting cease and desist back and forth there. Yeah, but can you, I mean, can you uh, complain? Like, I suppose you can say them a cease and desist. They don't say that anymore. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my favourite spot was the last, pretty much the last bit. One of the Usos doing a flying tag. So he jumped over the rope towards the commentary desks to hit Cesaro with a splash, although it looks like he just hit the table. But as he did so, he tagged in his brother who came in for the win. I thought that was a spectacular finish. The Usos are amazing. Mm. They are so, so good. Yeah. And I would... I mean, okay, so for me, the big story of this night of Survivor Series is that SmackDown is a, te- is a, um, a brand full of uh, geeks and losers. Um, but I think the Usos stand head and shoulders above them in terms of the, uh, the actual booking of this show. I... Oh, and Charlotte. So this was the first match where I was like, oh, man. This, like, if these two guys had a whole, like, month feud behind them and they could build a match around the, the parts of the story they've told... This would have been like, and this would have been one of the best matches of the year in WWE, I think. But unfortunately, this is the one night of the year where Raw and SmackDown go head to head in direct competition. Yeah, but that's it. It was, it was. Then I realised, oh wait, but it doesn't have a story going into it. Oh wait, but more importantly, it doesn't have a story coming out of it. <laughs> and then I thought, oh my god, this entire night is practically worthless. Thank you. Now yeah, you see yeah, what yeah. I've been saying for weeks on end. Well, I never disagreed with you. I, oh, just, I, I don't think the SmackDown Raw narratives separately stopped, but the Raw and SmackDown narrative, of course, stops. Uh, that's why, the, I mean, the main event was a Raw storyline, really, uh, when we get to that. Uh, and it was just like, ah, this is, as fun as all these matches are, that they would all be better with either something on the line or if the brand split wasn't in existence and uh, everyone could wrestle on multiple shows. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a shame. Then we had Jason Jordan uh, backstage saying he is still sad that he's not competing tonight. And he wants Team Raw to win, 
but he wants Triple H to get eliminated first. Yeah, I've written here he's 100% behind his teammates, so he's definitely turning tonight then. Yeah, uh, well, 80% behind his teammates if he didn't want Triple H. Yeah. Uh, there's some Scott Steiner maths right there. <laughs> uh, so when he, when he said this, I was like, yeah, he's definitely playing into, into the bit the later. Yeah. Nope. nope, not at all. Nope. Not at all. Did not set no. anything up. And all that stuff, all the stuff we were excited about with Kurt Angle and Jason Jordan and how the father-son dynamic might play into things. Nope, nope. Nothing, nothing there. And we're like, oh, Jason Jordan, he's playing this like whiny babe, this baby face who's turned into whiny heel really, really well. What a nuanced performance. No, I'm pretty sure they're still pushing him as a baby face. Yeah, but thankfully, at least we had that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Shane storyline that will definitely play into the finish at some point. God, I can't wait to see that. So next up, we had Charlotte versus Alexa Bliss. Uh, this was... I, this, I mean, all of the matches got a decent length of time. This was 15, yeah, 15 minutes, minutes. But this was the first match I felt was too long. I... Yeah... I, I barely wrote any notes for it. Mm. And it's not because like I wasn't paying attention or anything. I just There was nothing I felt in the match that was worth taking a note for. Yeah, I don't know if it was the placing in the match, because of course... Sorry, in, in the night, because we'd have seen two and a bit hours of wrestling by this point. But uh, yeah, yeah, I just... Uh, it was it was like forgettable. It was yeah, it was just really, really forgettable. forgettable. Real shame. I did like Bliss. The only thing I've written down really is that Bliss screaming and trash talking Charlotte. Why won't you give up? Yeah, so she's very good at that. But yeah, uh, Charlotte won figure rates. Um, she is the, uh, the the best women's wrestler in the world according to WWE. Yeah, it's like her and Mae Young. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> yeah. Um Did did Charlotte's figure eight look even better than usual, or is that just was that just me? Might just be you. I th- I thought it looked insane. Uh, really good. Now, here right, we go. here we go. Here we go. Now we're talking. Uh, Brock Lesnar can't have good matches, everybody. Yep, he can't. He's really boring. I thought you were going to continue talking. Oh, sorry. I had a, a sip of water. No, well, you didn't really set me up. You sorry, just, uh... sorry. I thought you would have seen. I thought, you know, I thought we've got that understanding, that mental maybe unspoken thing. Maybe we're not. Maybe, maybe we're not. Maybe we don't. So Brock Lesnar took on AJ Styles in uh, just a, a great match from top to bottom. It felt big time right from the get-go, the way they both introduced themselves with the belts. There was the ring announcing, Paul Heyman did uh, Brock Lesnar's. And it just, like, it felt like the cr- there was there was something in the air. And this always happens with Brock's matches. It's like, he, there's something different about him. And yeah. it's the way he's used sparingly. Uh, it's, it's that Pavlovian <laughs> yeah. response of, oh, Brock Lesnar's here. When Brock Lesnar's here... It's a different kind of match to everything else we see on the card. Absolutely. And that makes us excited. And big stuff happens. You see Brock, you associate big stuff. So just from the get-go, this is awesome chance in my little fan heart. I, I cannot tell you how much I loved this match. I thought this match... It was Brock's best singles match since WrestleMania. Um, possibly the, the... He's only had like two, hasn't uh, he? Well, no, he had that, yeah, Braun and Joe. And and Joe. Braun. Yeah, but like... I thought this was the best match, probably the best match he's had this year, and I loved that Goldberg match as has been well documented. Mm. Um, also, an interesting point here: Lesnar is the longest reigning uh, champion in four years in WWE. That's what Michael Cole said. I don't know if that's factually accurate. Romania. Yeah, yeah. Well. He's had it for like well, yeah, he's had it for like two hundred odd days or whatever. Well, I guess the last one was Punk. Yeah. So yeah, uh, but they the first five minutes because this was a fifteen minute match. 
First five minutes was Brock suplexing oh, AJ. And he sold it like an absolute champ. There was what, like, all the suplexes looked great, but there was one belly to belly suplex where Brock just launched AJ up in the air. And I was like, oh my God, I've never seen that sort of elevation from a, a belly to belly. It yeah. looked terrific. Absolutely terrific. And it's, it, but like, I mean, I, I knew something more was coming, but th- this is, this is the Brock Lesnar match that everyone criticizes just suplex 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 high knee but it was it was all that you know the stuff that we saw with Braun the stuff that we saw with Dean Ambrose but it felt just a little it just felt different it felt proper yeah and I don't know how much of that's AJ selling I don't know how much of that is Brock actually caring I think it's a bit of both you know I, I, I think AJ is really great at selling you know since he's got his long hair like he uses that so effectively mm. with his son to like really like uh, convey extra emotion I just thought he was so great in so AJ match. sells with his hair yeah how how so? Well, they used to like. There's the old um, wrestling adage that if you've got long hair, like if you're in a submission, you can shake your mm, hair because that adds mm. extra drama to it, and you can do the same thing. Like when you're taking a big bump, your hair flips yeah, around yeah. and everything like that. Kick back. Exactly. It's why there's like a lot of wrestlers don't like wearing a mask because then you don't have any facial sure. expressions to use. It's what I I said about Sin Cara on that Money in the Bank 2011 Patreon podcast we did. Mm. Whereas like when Sin Cara just hits the floor because he hasn't got any facial reactions, it's just like. Yeah, looks like a, like a dummy. Yeah, uh, but AJ on on the other hand has just concealed with every single part of his body, including his luscious hair, <laughs> including dead protein follicles. <laughs> That's how good AJ is. I've written in my notes: this is awesome, or this is effing awesome, or this is so effing good. Multiple times in my notes. Yes, you have. <laughs> I love writing swear words, cuss words down in your notes. I know. Not, hashtag push naughty Luke. Uh, uh, then AJ started to make the comeback and that's when I you know it was already better than Brock's usual fare but this was when I was like here we go because AJ then just had this terrific run of like a phenomenal forearm to the outside 450 splash but the and this was like apart from the Velveteen Dream stuff uh, the previous night this was the spot of the weekend for me Brock in the calf crusher oh and not even that but it's the start of it like it was the F5 into the calf crusher like it was just a brilliant sequence and Brock's selling of that calf crusher was so so good he was screaming and usually Brock's selling is very realistic in that he's he's sort of selling in a way where he doesn't want the other person to know because you were in a professional fight you wouldn't want to go oh my knee really hurts how <laughs> my knee because the other guy's gonna go all right I'm gonna keep hitting your knee but Brock sort of sells it in a way how you would, I guess, from being a professional MMA fighter, where you you try and you you, you let it you let the audience know, but you do it in a way where you're trying to hide, you're trying to pretend to hide it, layers upon layers, and but and that's how he was selling up until this point, but when he locked in the calf crusher and AJ finally yanked it back, Brock was screaming and it it was on forever. Yeah. L- but Shane McMahon probably still wouldn't have tapped. <laughs> Uh, so Brock had him in, and I was thinking, how's he going to get out of this? Because he can't reach the ropes either side. And then Brock just grabs AJ's head and slams him down on the mat several times like a freaking King Kong gorilla. It was so awesome. I mean, like, okay, so there was, as much as I love this match, there was a slightly messy period where yeah. I think might, one of them might have got dinged or they kind of sort of like fell out of communication with each other. And there was a couple of moments where it was a little bit sloppy, but... They picked this up mm-hmm. so quickly and just got it right back on track. And the crowd were popped huge for the calf crusher and bought it as a genuine finish. Mm-hmm. And that is down, A, to 
that move being over and AJ getting that move over, but also to Brock's selling, where a lot of people bought into it as a finish. Yeah, I I genuinely thought, uh, you know, like maybe I did genuinely think in my in my mind as well, AJ might be winning here. I I figured Brock was winning yeah. only because it's a it's Brock and we got to build him for Roman at, at WrestleMania. I was like, yeah, Brock's gonna win one F five. Away we go. But also, um, SmackDown were leading in the uh, the scoring system, and I was like, oh, they've got to tie this up before they get into the main event. Uh, the speaking of uh, Brock winning with one F five, that's that was of course the finish, and it plays into the larger story of Brock beating person after person with an F five, a single F five. So Roman Reigns kicks out at Mania to a big pop maybe <laughs> hopefully yeah i'm sure some people will pop yeah. yeah uh so that made it 3-3 going into the elimination match brock walking out he was still selling the leg he was limping and i thought what's he gonna do here is he gonna turn around and like shake aj's hand is he gonna nod or something uh and it was kind of like how i felt with the velveteen dream and alice the black the previous night i thought i can't i want him to do that but i don't need him to do that like really i want him to just do exactly what he did which was the occasional look back not really like not go well done mate hmm. we're, we're all friends now but like a sort of jesus christ yeah he took me to the limit that was so and close. it was it, like yeah i really enjoyed uh brock's performance just of everything and as you said so eloquently earlier on in this show in any other night could have gone the other way mm. and i thought that was a really wonderful story to tell and that just like the finn Balor match at tlc i really want to see a rematch yeah because yeah. as great as that was as great as the finn Balor match was I feel like there's so many other bits they could do. Oh, but it's the one night of the year the where Raw and SmackDown go head to head in direct competition. Come on, superstar shakeup. <laughs> That's what I, I really want an AJ Brock feud now. Uh, now, the main event the men's elimination match. Yeah. Um, so you've got your first note here is John Cena didn't get the dress code memo. Um, my first note is why is Triple H above wearing the raw t-shirts? Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. raw like everyone else is wearing the red raw t-shirts like absolute geeks. So they've got uh, Finn Balor's wearing red trunks. Everyone's got red in all of their uh, attire. With the exception of Triple H, who comes out wearing his own t-shirt, which happens to mm. be red, and wearing his usual black pants. I'm like, you're not a team player. No, no. Well, I mean, maybe that's very subtle storytelling. For what happened, I doubt. <laughs> and also, uh, yeah, and John's, I said, and then I've written, oh, I guess John Cena's above all of this too. Yeah. Looks like he literally landed five minutes before they were about to go out. Just got in, said, one more, one more spot, do this, this, and this. He's mm. like, cool, pass me my, what's the new t-shirt you've got me selling? Pass it here, I'll put that on, I'll throw it out into the crowd. Yeah. Which is luminous green. And he's, uh, it wasn't just that, but his wristbands and yeah. other bits were luminous he green. He was not a team player. He, I mean, you can make the argument and they didn't really play it up that much that he's a free agent. So, but he's still signed to Team SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was bad. No, I didn't like that. Um, uh, but here's my Byron Saxton moment. <laughs> I, knew you know this was I knew this was going to be the one. Because it turns out that Byron, we, we finally got an answer to the question, who really is Byron Saxton? Uh, Bobby Roode's coming out and Corey Graves is putting over the entrance. He's like, hallelujah. And uh, Corey Graves says, no, 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 Tom Phillips. It's hallelujah. And then you hear Byron Saxton say, I'm not Phillips. <laughs> I'm Saxton. I'm, I'm Saxton. And Corey got confused with Phillips and Saxton. It was brilliant. That was my favourite uh, commentary line of the night. I'll tell you what my favourite actually was just slightly before that mm. was when um, Booker, when 
Corey Graves was like, oh, Booker, wait till you, you see this. This is how we do it on SmackDown Live. Can I get a hallelujah? Booker T, clearly never watched an episode of SmackDown Live uh, in his life. Never watched an episode of NXT in his life. No idea who Bobby Roode is in WWE. Obviously yeah. knows him from TNA. Doesn't know what his entrance music is. And then went, hallelujah. <laughs> Great. Great. Good one, uh, Booker T. Some more great commentary notes. Uh, Michael Cole trying to make Shin happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, mine I've got here is because Michael Cole said this a lot during the night, trying to put over this whole um, uh, Raw v Smackdown being the one night of the mm. year. Uh, when Joe and Orton were in the ring, Michael Cole said, When did you think you'd ever see this happen? I've, I've written one out here. I mean, at some point, they're in the same company. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was atrocious, uh, atrocious commentary, really, all the way through the night. So the actual match, I loved the start. Yeah. I had the first, like, uh, I suppose 10, 15 minutes. Went about 33, 35 minutes overall, I think, this match. Yeah. Uh, Braun Strowman immediately takes out Shane, and everyone's like, oh, my God, Braun's big. Yeah. And that was good. It got Braun over them. Braun tagged out. And uh, that Nakamura, so it was, no, Finn Balor tagged him. Well, yeah, so Nakamura tagged in, and he got in, and he was facing down Braun Strowman, and then I think someone tagged out Braun, mm. and then Finn got in. And then essentially it was just like, what the next 10 minutes or so was just like, hey, all those matchups you really want to see in WWE, here's a very condensed version of that, um, and you might see it at a later date. Yeah, which is great. Like, that's sort of what we got from Money in the Bank with AJ and Nakamura. Yeah. I love this. It was, it was you know, like, angle Bobby Roode. Uh, Angle Nakamura Triple H, Triple H, Naka- H Nakamura Loved all it's, the, it's what I was saying in, in the Saturday video This is all the stuff that I was really mm. uh, Really really excited to see Also I'm, I, I've missed got, I've got a note incorrect here but I've been corrected on it um, since So when Joe uh, Nakamura and Balor were in the ring Apparently there were chance of NXT And then there were a lot of people there Who started to boo that Because they're like you dorks They met in New Japan mm. So then started a, chan- started a New Japan chant I thought they were chanting Bruiserweight I don't know, because they were going, New Japan, New Japan. And I was trying to make it out, and I was like, I think they're chanting Bruiserweight. How odd. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that doesn't sound anything like it. No, I know. I know that's why I was like, I've, I've written my note here, chance of Bruiserweight, mm. question mark? Uh, the, the, the Nakamura ballot exchange was the best of everything, I thought. It was just like the, the actual wrestling, the exchanges, they were trying to out-mat uh, wrestle each yeah. other. Then Nakamura did his... The, the the rope break thing where he puts his head on them and Finn Balor switched it round and just gave him a two sweets on the forehead. Such a great spot. Do you see Nakamura's follow up? He he touches his forehead where Balor did the the two yeah. sweet gesture and then he licks it. Yeah. Like, is it too sweet? Over <laughs> there, Nakamura is such a yeah. star. Although. I will say, as much as I really enjoyed Triple H being in the ring with Bobby Roode, because it did look like a son wrestling his dad more than Kurt Angle mm-hmm. and Jason Jordan will, and um, I loved Triple H and Nakamura in there, I did feel that Triple H got the better of both of them. Yes, so shall we get into the bad? Which yeah. is the first person to be eliminated was Nakamura. Of course, and then, because he's, he's good. Yep, and then very soon after was uh, Samoa Joe. I know Roode was uh, next up. So, so yeah, sorry, Bobby Roode. Um, and it was like... Okay, so the people left on SmackDown now are Shane McMahon, John Cena, and Randy Orton. Of course, because they're the stars. I've written here, Braun eliminates Knack, Braun eliminates Rude. Those new stars, eh? Mm. They're really getting themselves over. I mean, the argument is Braun was the main project to get over. But if you're giving Braun the big bit at the end, maybe he didn't need to slay slay these two here. Uh, Yeah, it's just a shame because Nakamura was the most exciting thing in the match. Yeah. And, and then he was just taken out. And Nakamura really has cooled off 
Like he there's he hasn't even been on SmackDown for a few weeks. No, absolutely not. Unless they're big uh like Shane McMahon addresses. Uh so yeah, it's this just like Asuka, how they sort of re booted Asuka a bit in the Survivor Series match a good showing here could have done the same for Nakamura yeah I, I was really really sad to see to see Nakamura go um, although I, w- I will say that when they were left with uh, Cena, Orton and Shane there were quite a few moments in there where Cena and Orton were like working together mm. and I was like man what a great tag team that would be like to give them like to give them something else to do so yeah. they're not going after the world title is to put them together as like a, the ruthless aggression tag team mm. um, I thought I'd be, I, I could get behind that I couldn't I don't want to see that at all. No, no. I've I've had quite enough of uh, Cena and Orton. I just hear those two names and I immediately start to get sleepy. But they're not facing each other. That's the key and to still, it. Still, it's still <laughs> they just just replaces the verses with an ambersand. I don't even. It's too close. Uh, so then, after those two young developing stars, we had uh, Samoa Joe. Now the Samoa Joe one did have a reason behind it joe was going sort of it was there was dissension he but why was that that's it that's it i don't think the dissension was well enough planted it just like oh i we've got to create some dissension i'm just gonna start mouthing off to people well that's what i've written here smackdown aren't beating raw raw are beating raw Mm. all of raw's eliminations came from like dissension or like smackdown or triple h or triple h smackdown looked like an absolute joke in this match like yeah. and a, a real uh, the whole night was smackdown live looking like complete and utter geeks but in this match in particular they looked like complete chumps mm. yeah so uh th- this weird joe Strowman balla dissension that led to joe getting uh and then like angle and triple h just started like because angle was trying to calm things down as the team captain and then triple h was just like what are you doing kurt angle i'm meant to be angry with you Let's do this. Yeah. And it's, but, like, why are you angry? You can't just start being angry but at each other. They're winning. Yeah. Uh, you, you've got a five on... Three advantage. Yeah. And so, and your people you're facing off against, one of them is Shane McMahon. You've got this. You're all yeah. right. Uh, then the entire team put Strowman through the announcer's table. Yep. Uh, then there was a bit more... Uh, oh, so, oh, so I, I jumped the gun there with... Uh, with Joe getting eliminated because we did have a Joe John Cena exchange, which I thought was really good. Yeah, really love that. I, I like that because yeah. they were working together on the house shows before Joe got injured yeah. back in August, so they probably worked together quite a bit. There's a great line in there where Corey Graves because they were like throughout, throughout the match they kept talking like, oh man, you know the history between these two, like when Balor and um, Nakamura were in the ring, mm, it's like mm. they kept putting over it's like, oh man, Triple H brought a lot of these guys in the match to WWE, and then Joe and Cena got into the ring, and Corey Graves, the absolute pro, was just like, man, I mean, what a storied history that these two have had together Michael Cole jumped just like never met in a WWE ring shut up <laughs> hallelujah <laughs> Booker T still trying to figure out what's going on yeah uh, yeah so then John uh, eliminated Joe because of the the ball attention then you had a nice bit of Kurt versus Kurt versus Cena and we know the history there we know the history there of course Kurt was John Cena's first match in WWE and then it w- so it was good I liked it and Angle got... Was it... So Angle got him in the ankle lock, but it was the Olympic slam that put him away. Yeah, he did two Olympic slams, I think. Yeah. And a coup de grace. But it was just like, uh, that's what you're using Cena for. He yeah. did nothing. Absolutely. Yeah, as I said... He, he was just a name. He just got off the plane. He's busy filming Transformers. He wasn't meant to be. Mm. Well, you know, he was meant to be a referee. Now he's in a match. Not really, re- not really prepared for it. He did some bits. Then he went. Then Orton eliminated Bala. And then I was like, oh, great yeah new like, stars those yeah. new stars eh like Bala 
after that amazing showing at TLC. Well, maybe Survivor Series. Um, okay, no, no, we're yeah, not doing this. Uh, no, Nakamura, uh, Orton's the star. And at this point, Braun was taken out still when he was suplexed through the announcers' table by all of Team SmackDown. So you had Kurt Angle, Triple H versus Randy Orton and Shane McMahon. The average age of 44 and a quarter, I worked Told out. you, man, they're the stars. <sighs> it was. That's the problem. Ooh. They're the stars. So um, the, then they... Autumn went for the hot tag of Shane, but Shane was pulled off the apron by Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Here they are. I think they're going to get their revenge yeah. on Shane McMahon for not putting them in the team. What happened to them, Ollie? Shane McMahon chased him off with a chair. He beat both of them up two on one, like complete and utter chumps, further mm. burying the SmackDown brand. As I've written here, because oh, then after that, it's <laughs> so cool. Sami and Kev, they attack Shane. Oh, it's okay. The biggest star is here. Uh, and then Braun eliminates Randy Orton. So we've got Super Shane left to defend mm. the SmackDown brand. Thank God the real star is left. 47-year-old, untrained professional wrestler, Shane McMahon. Fought off your, t- your most intriguing heel faction on SmackDown and is the sole survivor against three people. And it, yeah. He's and he, the star. It was it it was it was really quite frustrating yeah. at this point. And when Kurt Angle got Shane in the ankle lock, <laughs> and Shane did not tap out for about a minute. I was going to say five. He felt like he was in that move for so long. It was I, every second longer. That's the sort of move when Kurt Angle locks it on, especially the grapevine. You tap out immediately if you're someone like Shane. I did, that that really got to me. Yeah. I did, you know, I'm I I love Kurt Angle. He's my favorite wrestler of all time. I just. It was insulting. Yeah. It was it was actually insulting as a fan. But luckily enough for Shane McMahon, um, Triple H then eliminated Kurt Angle. Yes, yeah, so this was where everything fell apart. It was because it was really good opening, all the dream match stuff. Then it was the uh, senior senior part of it where you just yep. had the old stars. Just getting rid of all that new talent. And then it was time for the third movement of the match, which was just stupid booking. I've no idea what this was all about I mean obviously that that's a, a fairly rhetorical question I know it's all about you know it's all about the McMahon it's all about that mm. that McMahon Triple H ego but this was it was mind-boggling yeah. so like there was Braun was in there and then Triple H tagged himself in then Kurt Angle tagged himself in well that that was, was yeah was that before the, the ankle lock stuff yeah and then, that, that was when it was just Shane McMahon and they were like no I want to get him no I want to get him and it kind of works because, you know, Triple Kurt Angle tagged Braun out first because Kurt Angle, they've got the, the opposing commissioner GM thing going on, the, the, the invasions, makes sense. Then Triple H tagged in. We thought, okay, there's a family feud thing going on here. Stephanie doesn't like him. Yeah. That also makes sense. So I didn't mind that bit. But then, mm. so then Triple H comes in again and he pedigrees Kurt Angle. Yes. And then puts Shane on top of him and is like, oh, man. Triple H has turned to SmackDown, I guess. He's actually helping Shane. Mm. Then they had, I'd say, about a 10-minute segment where Shane was trying to get back to his feet and Triple H was still looking at him, just staring at Braun. Yeah. Then Triple H pedigrees Shane and pins him. And I was like, what? Yeah. And then the commentators are going like, brilliant mind games by Triple H. I was like, what mind games? And then like, he played Braun Strowman. I was like, how did he play Braun Strowman? There's no story leading up into what to that. What the hell was this all about? So, and and the, the report from PW Insider was that the Triple H call to add him to the Survivor Series main event was made last sat- Saturday, Sunday. So they came up with all, this wasn't like a long-term plan. Yeah. Uh, because it's got no story coming into it. This is the first time Triple H has come back since WrestleMania, the Monday, uh, the go home Raw, it was 
it was re- and and you could tell that the crowd were just it wasn't the sort of oh what's going on here oh wow turns it was uh yeah oh, the and crowd the, the crowd went, just died up it was this. like a morgue yeah and actually i thought the crowd were so dead once they eliminated all of the nxt guys yeah. once they eliminated all the newer stars and it was just cena orton shane yeah. Kurt Angle, triple h the crowd were really dead after that and it was only when braun Strowman got in that the crowd mm. came alive again so triple h uh i mean i, I just can't something might happen on raw tonight that explains it more i i kind of doubt it will but if the whole idea was Kurt Angle's job is on the line if he fails to lead Team Raw to victory, why don't you, and you want to get rid of Kurt Angle, why do you then still pin Shane McMahon? Because Kurt Angle's been eliminated, but he hasn't lost his job. Mm-hmm. And you, but you could have... <sighs> I don't know, man. I thought this was a baffling end to a match that I was really enjoying in the first 10 minutes, but mm. um, by, the, by the end of it, I hated it. It just like everything we said this is a great match this is like this entire card looks really good on paper and they delivered on the majority of the matches but this that we like the only thing that could screw it up is bad booking and well done <laughs> wwe you managed to screw it up yeah the, uh, the the other thing that i just can't get my head around is you've got owens and zane you've got their interference on shane why can't that play into it You've got the pre-existing relationship with Triple H and the authority. Owens and Zayn can be like this authority-affiliated faction causing havoc on SmackDown afterwards. Why can't those two storylines cross over as a joint cause? They're which not stars. But, but it's... A, you know, but it I'm, would elevate I'm, I'm, I'm them. I know you're, you're being facetious, but then the whole match kind of makes a bit more sense. It takes away that bitter taste about it just being the old guys... Uh, it plays into the larger narrative on SmackDown. Problem is there, Ollie, with your booking, is that if Sammy and Kevin had caused the distraction, then Triple H wouldn't have had all the glory of eliminating Kurt Angle and Shane McMahon in the yeah. match, eliminating one of his own team members. Also, the other question, where was Jason Jordan? Yeah, He said in the night, I'm 100% and I'll be out there later tonight. Where was he when his dad was being pedigreed by the man who'd pedigreed him on Monday night? I don't know. It's uh, it it was it was really bad, and Braun Strowman looking at Triple H. I mean, that was so okay. That was bad, but the post-match stuff was actually really quite terrific. I thought uh, Braun's face is like, "What the hell did you just do?" And uh, sort of like mirroring my expression. <laughs> uh, and it was just like Braun. Braun came off as such a. I didn't know I wanted this side of Braun, but a noble baby face. Like, how dare you... It seemed like he was he was angry at Triple H for screwing over the team, not just Braun. Like, like I'm not angry at you, Triple H, for, for like, cheating. Because you've just gone on... You've gone against morals. That's what I thought... Yeah. Felt like Braun well, was angry. I, I felt that Braun was angry because he was the one who wanted to pin Shane. And it was just... Oh, like, he wanted to just pin everyone. And mm. it was like, you took that away from me. I, I, I thought it more was a, a moral compromise. Like the the good side of Braun has been awakened since the, the dumpster rebirth, yep. and he's he's sort of like good Superman now. Yeah. And this is him, like the monster, slowly realizing his conscience. As I'm saying this, I know this is a, this is totally <laughs> not what WWE are writing. No. Uh, but I, I for, for the moment, let me have it. Uh, but then Braun, like, so Triple H goes around. He's celebrating criticism. Almost to a goofy extent. Oh, totally. It was to a goofy yeah. extent. Yeah. It was kind of like Shawn Michaels 
like, ah, this is stupid, so I'm just going to oversell everything. That will make me cool, and yeah. it, it sort of cheapens the whole thing. That's what I got from Triple H here, especially if you've seen the post-match selling. Yeah, where he then walked into the uh, Titantron. Yeah, and like he tries to do the suck it, and he just falls backwards yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, everyone was uh, was being like, oh, yeah, look, Triple H, like, he, what a bot, he walked into the Titantron. Mm. I was like, but he definitely did that on purpose. Yeah, he was just selling the uh, the the beatdown. Uh, but but the one bit he did do well was when Braun grabbed him by the throat. And he's, you know that shot where he's just down in the turnbuckle and Braun's screaming at him, you'll never play this game again. It looked like he was crying. Yeah, it, that looked awesome. And then Braun turns around, walks off, Triple H goes to pedigree him, but Braun does two running power slams. So it's such a weird thing that Triple H, all of his NXT guys were taken out pretty, like the first half of the match. But he put over the one non-XT young guy. Yeah. It just seems... Like he was, he's the WWE product. Yeah. All those other guys came from TNA in New Japan. Mm. Can't make them seem to be bigger stars. But he's a guy that we created ourselves, so we're allowed to put him over. But, I mean, as I said, like my, my biggest takeaway from this, aside from all the, the, the Triple H stuff, is that the big thing going into this match was SmackDown were just like, we're not the B show. We should be the A show. We're the guys that have got all the talent. We're the, we're the real A show. You guys are all a joke. And Raw going like, SmackDown's a joke. They're the B show. We're the A show. We're all the, top, we're all the cool guys. Story of this whole pay-per-view was that Raw is full of cool guys and the A show and SmackDown is full of chumps and they're definitely the B show. Yeah, I'd agree with that. My, my uh, summarizing thoughts in response would be uh, Survivor Series is a show of very good matches that don't mean anything. And the one match that does have consequences afterwards was uh, badly booked. Yeah. But so le- it, yeah. But at least AJ versus Brock was great. That was a long episode. It was. I don't think I... Because we, we were about 25 minutes in when we finished NXT. And I thought, hmm, maybe we'll be out of here in an hour. Oof, no, no, not happening, no, mate. Full Absolutely. on hour and a half. Oh, that was that was a lot to talk about. A lot to digest. It is a four-hour show, you know. So those things are bound hey, to happen. Six hours for me with the pre-show, buddy. Yeah, but did can't you, all did, skip. Did, well, you skipped around the pre-show, well, though, did you? I just watched the matches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and really, those matches were like maybe five minutes each. Yeah, uh, but yeah, man, you should go back and watch Elias Matt Hardy. That is, exactly. you you will never see that match on Raw. <laughs> and it is the one night of the yeah. year. When Raw and SmackDown go head to head in direct what competition, what a fast. I mean, it's been a great rest, great weekend. <laughs> it's been a great weekend for wrestling. Certainly has. Well, certainly, I, I want to. I'm going to rewatch War Games. Um, the whole I, show. The whole show. I do that with NXT shows. I because I, I find them so easily digestible and so easy to rewatch. Insane. I'm I'm really looking forward to going back and watch it again. Although I may watch Survivor Series again. The whole thing. Yeah, I'll have it in the background while I'm working. I would see. I can't do that. I can't have things on in the background. It's, it's all or nothing uh, for me. But I would like to go back and watch, of all the matches of the weekend, AJ and Brock, and for TakeOver, although not my favourite match, I think I'll go back and watch McIntyre Almas. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd go for that. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that was my favourite. Anyway, some reviews. Jay Matthews, 1991. Guess when they were born. Right, the best wrestling podcast out there. Not true. Having listened to Wrestle Ramble since its inception, it's been fantastic to see it evolve over the months from a one-of-prediction show to a regular wrestling show that gives listeners a multitude of different features, such as fantasy booking warfare, crap gimmicks, mailbag questions, Raw and SmackDown reviews, and of course, not forgetting its roots. 
pay-per-view predictions. Ollie and Luke are incredibly likeable, which when combined with the content makes for a thoroughly entertaining wrestling show and the best to listen to among a plethora of podcasts to choose from. Great work, guys. Hashtag swaft. Hashtag push Wonder Ollie. What a great review, Thank you, Jay Matthews. Jay Matthews. Uh, Josh Matthews? I don't know. It just says, jo- oh, get the, like the real Josh Matthews. Well, no, we also have a Patreon yeah, backer by that name, the, the best commentator in the world. What a... Uh, what a what a, what a thesaurus this man has! <laughs> Multitude, plethora. Yeah. I was waiting for smorgasbord. Plethora, hey. Plethora. Yeah, I was gonna say I'd say plethora. Sometimes I say words wrong. Come at me. <laughs> and H M R R F C, which those are keys too far apart on the to keyboard be a, to be, be a, a random. Mm. Uh, writes, if I could do a ten like tie, I would. Five stars. Great pod. Luke and Ollie are easy to listen to. They're much better than most of the Yanks. And no naff impersonations either. And then he's got some ten emojis with the words ten next to them. Thank you. Thank you. Which, which I thought were like a uh, high... I thought it might be like a praising thing. Like a hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But apparently it's, it's uh, like a high five. Well, high ten. Give thing. me a hallelujah, Booker. Hallelujah. That's not how you say it, Phillips. <laughs> I'm Saxton. I'm Saxton. Great man. <laughs> Good work, Byron. Uh, I'm get, you, you better get on Team Byron now. Is that well? Maybe that'd be our next shirt. I'm, mm. I'm on. I'm on Team Byron. I'm a Byron Saxton guy. We've got to get a first shirt. <laughs> first, next shirt. Well, that's all we've got time for today. I'm off to sleep a little bit. Yeah, you're so tired. <laughs> I'm a little bit tired. I'm off to play uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, is uh, it tonight? Tonight we're playing D&D. We're trying to do it earlier in the week now. Mm. Um, and, yeah, which means I'm not going to get home till about midnight. Then I'm going to have to get up at five to go watch Raw. So I might be very tired tomorrow. But, late um, night questing. Yeah, it, well, it is late night questing. But, you know, I think I sleep is for sleep is for the week. Sleep is what happens when you're dead. So I'm going to... I'll be ri- I'll be ripe and ready tomorrow. Like You're gonna a, like quest a, hard. I'm gonna be ripe and ready like a good avocado, not the sort of ones you get in Waitrose. Might be the most middle class thing I've ever said. Was that a shot at Waitrose I, avocados? I will happily take a shot at Waitrose for their avocados because they advertise them as ripe and ready. They are not good, sir. Someone's gonna pull this, upload <laughs> it onto YouTube. Luke Owen shoots on Waitrose avocados. <laughs> and as they should know, they should be told because uh, their avocado selection is rubbish, to say the least. Not only that, but like, I mean, to get to further across the, the middle class man that I have become, thanks to my wife. Uh, they now don't sell avocados individually. They now sell them as a four-pack. Who needs four avocados? And two People are... who shop at Waitrose. And they advertise it as, like, two are ripe and ready now, and two will be ripe and ready in a couple of days. Boulder Dash, my friend. That is a complete load of cods wallop, because all four of them aren't ready to eat right now. I'd, would you not prefer, like, an avocado roulette, where <laughs> one is completely manky on the inside, some are rock solid, there's only yeah. one in there that's good. There are some that I have bought from avocado that could double up as murder weapons included. Yeah. Like, they are they're hard as a rock, stiff as a dick. Well... That's all we've got time for today. We'll be back on Wednesday with the Raw and Smackdown review. Or the fallout from Survivor Series. Yeah, that's be interesting to see. Uh, we were going to do Fantasy Booking Warfare on the Saturday show, but I think we should do it on the Monday show. Oh, yeah? How come? Yeah, well, because then we can record in advance, kind of an easier day next Monday. 
Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Works, and we can do new stuff. Uh, shouldn't have oh, this conversation. Yeah, good, shouldn't yeah. have this conversation on air. This is a uh, backstage. <laughs> how we arrange the week stuff. But we have to have this conversation now because now you've got the headset on. I can actually have a conversation with you because as soon as we exit here, yeah. you go back into sleepy Ollie, and I'll get nothing out of you. Uh, but we we've already said we will be attempting to book uh, Pete Dunn's main roster debut and first feud. Yeah, that's I'd say the, so. That's yeah, the yeah. idea. So uh, look forward to that, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Love you. Bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.